From the offices of Cocktail Collective, this is Cocktails to Stills, a podcast that takes your favorite spirits and liqueurs from the still to the cocktail glass. In each episode, we talk to distillers and creators about particular expressions that their brand have released, what they are, why they were created, and in what cocktails they can be used. Are you ready to understand what's in your glass, or perhaps should be? Welcome to Cocktails Distilled. Pink gin may be everywhere you look, but New Zealand's Scape Grace gin are bucking the trend in the belief that some drinkers are after a little bit more of a sophisticated tipple. Released at the end of last year, the black gin is selling out as fast as the distillery can make it. To discuss the gin and how you can use it, we talked to co-founder, marketing director Mark Neal and bar consultant Mikey Ball. Thanks for joining us, guys. Oh, you're welcome. Cheers, man. Thank you. Now, what is it that creates the black color of the gin? Basically, we had a ton of requests from consumers, trade, uh, distributors to do a flavored gin. But the idea of doing, say, a raspberry, a grapefruit, or a pink gin was never really an option at all. I think, um, personally, I don't think I'd be able to sleep at night with a colorful gin, um, which would be created. But from there, it just didn't really fit the ethos of the of the brand itself. So with this in mind, and after a couple of uh, beverages, we, we decided to do a black gin. Um, at that stage, it was purely an idea. We had no idea what it could be, etc. So, and the most obvious place to start was the color itself. So basically to create black, which is actually the absence of color, you need the primary colors of red, yellow, purple, blue, and orange. So with this in mind, we brought, brought in the big guns, which was uh, Mikey Ball, who's uh, on the other line with us as well, uh, to collaborate with um, and to kind of bring the, I guess, the magic to life. So to answer your question, what creates the black color? Basically, we knew that those colors would technically create a black liquid in some format once combined. So what we did is we found natural extracts that acted as a natural color agent, but also carried a unique flavor profile itself, you know, which would collectively kind of create that uh, that taste of black. So for red, we use uh, aronia berry, which is um, quite, a, quite a sweet chalk berry type thing. Um, for yellow, we use pineapple extract, which gives uh, quite a tropical um, element to it. For purple, we use uh, kumara, which is our uh, native sweet potato, which kind of brings an earthy, earthy tone to it. For blue, we use butterfly pea, which is uh, obviously um, a flower, which brings uh, the, the blue qualities to it. And then from there, we use saffron for, for the orange, which kind of gives it a, a bit of a, a bit of a savory twist at the end. So you've got all the magic of, you know, sweet, tropical, uh, earthy, floral through to savory that's coming through, which is what we call, I guess, the taste of, taste of black. To, so basically it came from the color rather than the flavors yes well yeah exactly it was kind of a, a mixture of both like when we sort of come up with the idea around let's create the black it was it was a it was an idea of you know a color but then you know once we delved deeper into it and looked at what color is we kind of decided that you know colors can be flavors yeah did you consider it a gamble to be releasing something that was so darkly colored <laughs> uh, not really at all. Like it didn't really cross our mind from idea through to development execution. It just felt naturally right from the word go. You know, Skate Grace is a brand. It's all about sort of exploring, you know, uncharted territories. And we felt the concept it fully did fit with our brand ethos. It had so many good layers of uniqueness, authenticity, and overall, it just it just tasted like a dream. Yeah. 
Now, you've talked about the botanicals that go into the colour. How is it made, though? Yeah, so basically we use a version of our Escape Grace Classic, which is our, our kind of everyday gin at a sort of higher ABV. So that is a, is a staple. You know, it's pretty classically citrus, uh, super smooth, two dominant botanicals, dried lemon, orange peel. And from here, each each of the unique featured botanicals I mentioned earlier, the aronia berry, pineapple, the kumara, the butterfly pea and the saffron, uh, they're all individually steeped at different times and then blended secondary as a, as a compound. So from here, we have what we call, I guess, um, the magic, and which is fully the botanicals blended and balanced perfectly to produce, I guess, that unique black taste and color. From there, we add the magic back um, into a slightly altered version of, of the classic gin, bringing the product to a desired ABV around about sort of 40.6. Yeah, the whole, the whole kind of process took sort of just over a year or so. It was, yeah, it was super, super challenging, which I'm sure Mikey can, um, can vouch for. But, <laughs> you know, for, for, for certain stages, it'd be like, shit, we need to push to get the black to a certain shade. We're like, shit, we need to push a bit more yellow. And, you know, that would then turn the product green, but it would taste like pineapple, which is an overly bad thing. And then it just had so many layers to find that perfect balance of colors to, to get the unique blackness. So yeah, months, months, yeah, over, over a year of development and but we found, I guess, the perfect marriage with it now. Saffron is a particularly expensive ingredient and usually completely dominated by Fernet Branker, I believe. How difficult was it to get all of these elements together? Yeah, at the start, that was a real challenge. So, you know, we've, we've, um, we've found good partners who can produce the botanicals for us. But the interesting thing is we actually never, it was funny, the first crack at the, you know, the aronia, the pineapple, the kumara, the butterfly pea and saffron, We've, we've never deviated away from those original ingredients, which is pretty crazy. The, the saffron, I, yeah, like when we started, the saffron nearly tripled in price within three months and like that vulnerable. But we stayed to the original, I think, the original, I guess, master pilot that sample that was created and, and never deviated away from it. So yeah, we've got good supply now, um, now that we're catching up on, um, on demand and stuff. But yeah, some are a lot more expensive than others. It would have been a, a easier to, you know, to not go down the natural route or to find another substitute that wasn't a saffron or et cetera. But um, th- we just wanted to stick to that original pilot sample, which I think the first time we sat, sat down with Mikey and that we all had a, had a crack at it, we were like, let's not change that. And we just kind of stuck to that. Apparently the gin doesn't stay black for long once you add various mixes. Can you go into a bit more detail about how the mixes do change the colour? Yeah, for sure. So I suppose... Uh, it, it's an acid reaction, long and short of it. The, the big thing here is we've got two ingredients in the uh, in the flavor pack that Mark just mentioned, uh, which are really high uh, in something called anthocyanins, uh, which are essentially, I suppose, the best way to describe them is the plant's defense mechanism. Uh, so okay. once they're hit with other and will put themselves in different situations, they'll change a different color. So the two the two that we're using, obviously, butterfly blue pea, which is quite a well known one, which turns itself quite bright blue. Uh, but also aronia. So aronia, if you were to juice aronia, uh, you'd be doing it for a long time. Uh, but the juice right. itself comes out kind of like a black currant. But once hit with uh, acid, uh, any form of acid, whether it's citric, malic, tartaric, whatever, uh, all differing, it will go almost straight black, almost like a dark, dark purple. Uh, so those two kind of combined are actually, funnily enough, where our, our gin gets its major color change botanical for a color change profile from uh, and then with the other colors along with that the saffron kind of brings that extra red hue in 
as well as the pineapple, which kind of drives a little yellow tinge. Um, the cool thing here is, as you probably read, with the likes of things like tonic that are high in citric acid, you'll get quite a lot lighter, brighter red color to anything like soda water, which will give you almost a gray, uh, gray color. So anything that has the smallest, smallest amount of citric acid or acid in it will only give you a small reaction. I think one thing that I always try and point out is, as Mark's mentioned, we're, we're looking to create a black gin. So the gin is based up of natural flavors that create black. Uh, so the color change wasn't necessarily, although it's been something that's very popular uh, and, and awesome, but it wasn't necessarily the plan in, to start with. So almost like a byproduct. Yeah, you got it. Now, you've talked a lot about the fact that all of these colors are coming from natural ingredients. How important is it to use only natural ingredients in a good gin? I, I mean, I think personally, uh, it's it's not only the key to like legitimate sourcing, but specifically for the R&D with black. Um, some of the natural versus organic versus replicated flavors we, we went through, and as we kind of almost just touched on, we went through hundreds of different flavors of some of these botanicals to actually get the right ones. And in the end, these natural ones were the only ones that would ever actually pull pull them through. I suppose if you think of, it's kind of the same way as any great product starts, but all gins are trying to use their classic natural products. So we only ever wanted to add something natural back on top. You know, we're using natural citruses, natural um, natural herbs and spices, and natural juniper. We want to make sure that we were doing the same thing. Otherwise, we'd have quite a, a potentially transient product. How difficult was it to balance the botanicals, not only to create the effect, but also a smooth taste? <laughs> uh, it was a year and a half in the making. Um, so I think we built the pilot. We probably built about 10 pilots and just just trying to get not only sourcing right, uh, getting the same consistent ingredients to start with uh, and having good supply of them and then being able to play with them and getting those small, tiny increments of flavor profiles down to how long to steep each element uh, was a pretty hard task. I think Mark will probably back me up on that. We, we spend a lot of time at different flavor houses and playing around with the product. Once we came into testing, we had quite a few curveballs in the fact that you can make a beautiful product taste delicious, but then how long does that last on the shelf? Uh, how long does that last in different temperatures? And, and how quickly do things bind? You can have something quite quite quickly take over, i.e. the pineapple is quite a strong flavor. So where we had to think not only about how it tastes right now, but also how it will taste down the line too, because we're adding such crazy cool flavors. Yeah, I suppose if someone's holding a bottle for a year, will it taste the same as when it was first distilled? You got it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose this is like, it's kind of, you could kind of liken it to batching a cocktail and putting the bitters in, in the bottle with the batch. If if you if you put too much bitters in and you test it six months down the line, it, it's it's not going to be a drinkable drink because the bitters yeah. will over overpower. Yeah. Talking of flavor, if someone is buying the black gin for the first time, what should they expect? And does the flavor change throughout the drink? I think by itself, uh, it's pretty cool. I, I, I've always described it as kind of like a, it's like a desert island gin. So it's a little bit naughty. It's a bit, it's a pretty fun. It's still got enough proof for something to be, to, to be driven predominantly through like a highball style. Uh, but what you should expect in, uh, in flavor is definitely that classic, like almost London dry style base, uh, with a little hint of pineapple and specifically that sweet potato 
but also a really cool texture. So I think one thing outside of the flavor profile of the saffron, the saffron's actually one of the the heroes in this this liquid. It brings such a cool texture for for the minimal volume that we actually use. It brings such a cool uh, cool textural element. So yeah, I, I say Desert Island. It's big and it's kind of luxury, but at the same time, it's still a London Dry, and it's not too sweet. It's it the the perceived sweetness comes from the natural flavors. So. So beyond just adding tonic, how would you recommend that people should use the gin? I, th- I suppose being such a young product, use it use it how you'd like. I mean, play around with it. That was the idea. The the whole product itself was very much a, a fun a fun project and and a kind of push push the boundaries. So definitely try and play with it as much as possible. Outside of tonic, uh, probably my favorite way to serve it at the moment is with fresh green apple juice, uh, which is actually the the garnish we use too. Uh, works amazingly alongside citrus. So the likes of French 75s have been pretty pretty cool to make. Sours, the world's your oyster. Realistically, it can be it it can go along any with anything. I thought I think the only thing I've tried it with that didn't really work was fresh pineapple juice, and I was like, it's just a bit too much. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine that bartenders have been playing quite a bit with the gin and what they can do with it. Yeah. Have there been any cocktails that have come through that you can talk about? We've seen we've seen a couple. Mark can probably touch on this as well. Um, I've seen quite a few black martinis, so people who have done straight naked style martinis with the gin, which is quite cool. I mean, what's better than warm gin, cold gin, right? I've also, quite a few cool sours. So I've seen a lot of um, just classic sours with uh, grapefruit and fresh, fresh lemon as well. Um, they seem to go quite well. Mark, what have, what have you seen? Have you seen much else going on outside of that? I've seen some cool mules with ginger works really well. Yeah, ginger, the ginger mule works well. Yeah, it's just, just so many. A lot of the twists on the classic, the black Negronis, are only one other that, you know, that I've seen people have used. Again, okay. just kind of, yeah, just, just amplifying, I guess, those, those unique, unique notes, you know, so, yeah. I think what we've, we've tried to do is let people have a play with it. We're going to roll out some some bits and, and ideas of what we what we can see that's good. But I do, personally, I don't I don't like to restrict people. With the signature surf thing is kind of like uh, well, it's just what you like. So mm. yeah. Now you talked about the pineapple adding a little bit too much sweetness. Are there other flavors that you would perhaps recommend people avoid if they're experimenting? Um, what have we tried it with? It's not. It doesn't go super well with fresh fresh juice outside of like citrus juice. So potentially uh, like grapefruit juice or anything like that. I think we tried it with the East Imperial grapefruit soda, and it didn't really go. But I mean, think think about the flavors that are in there. There's there's a lot of kind of crazy tropical notes. The the one path you don't want to go down is using similar ingredients that are in the gin that are going to start to make it quite full on. I yeah. think probably any form of like grapefruit or orange juice doesn't necessarily work too much. Something with too much citric and then definitely that pineapple. But outside of that, as I said, we've played around with it quite a lot, specifically in these classic styles and it's worked quite well. I suppose you could also take it down a bit of a tiki route. You got it. Absolutely. Yeah. We did a, did a little gin, gin uh, jungle bird style drink a couple of weeks back which was quite cool because it's got that pineapple it's got that kind of that bitterness that you'd expect to see in campari already and the gin by itself just strapped back actually works quite well so yeah as we mentioned in the intro the gin sold out 
really quickly when you first produced it. How has the reaction of consumers been? Oh, it's been, yeah, it's been absolutely really phenomenal, really like far beyond kind of our wildest, wildest thoughts and imaginations. Like once we launched, the, the National Herald picked up the story. Um, and we do have a Herald over here in New Zealand. It's quite a decent, uh, decent sized rag. But, but from there, pretty much we sold out about three months worth of stock within a day. And ever since wow. then, it's just yeah. been literally trying to, it kind of went, it went viral after that, which is, you know, the, the power of, I guess, of, of media and whatnot. But it went viral after that. And since then, we've just been racing, trying to get ahead of the curve. And just when we think we're ahead of the curve, we just get whacked and we're back again. But, you know, it's taken about five months, but we're now actually head of, of the light and we, we've started to open up the product to other key um, international markets, including, yeah, our great Australian friends across the ditch. So, yeah, the reaction's been ma- amazing. It's just, I guess it's one of those products. It's just got so many good, authentic layers, uh, which consumers can sort of resonate with. Yeah, so now it's good. Now, I assume most consumers are buying it for the colour, but are you finding that they are rebuying once they've tasted it? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and that's the biggest thing with um, with any product. Like, it's it's the second purchase, which is the most important. Um, and we we get a lot of a lot of data from through retail and through um through all our bars and and what's not. And um, it's it's one of those products which just yeah, it's the the repurchase rate's been fantastic. It's definitely not a one trick pony and yeah, the, it's just been um, sort of the repurchase has been been great. The brand itself has been around since about 2014. Am I correct in saying the black gin is the first time that you've dabbled in a little bit of, shall we call it, alchemy? Is that something that the brand is going to continue? Um, yeah, yes. Yeah, like, um, I guess since launching sort of just about six years ago, we, we've kind of focused on getting the brand, but more so it's core products, well established. So that's our, our, our classic silver um, and, and also our Navy Strength, which picked up Best London Dry Gin in London last year. So we've kind of focused on these two core products in our 38 international markets we're trading in. So key to get those foundations and sort of build the product before we jump into innovation. But, you know, now we've kind of six years old, and which is kind of quite old. You know, we're starting to sort of really dabble in some, some exciting slices of innovation. So we've got quite a bit on the horizon, you know, within gin, but also looking to dabble within sort of other categories and whatnot. But... Yeah, for sure. I think now the foundations are set. We've, we've got some very, very exciting things um, over the next 12 months um, and beyond about to come out. Gin has been steadily riding a wave of popularity. Where does the category go from here to your mind and how does it stay relevant? Good question. So, yeah, absolutely. I guess no doubt, you know, gin's been sizzling, had a sizzling resurgence for sort of five, ten years, different stages in, in different countries that we've noticed around the world. There's also no doubt that the category is getting bloody busy in different markets at different stages. But I think, you know, for the, for the category to kind of keep its relevance, you know, I think smart innovation is going to be key. So, you know, producing products which actually have a purpose and they fit with that brand purpose as opposed to just kind of bringing something out to see if it sticks. So, yeah, I think smart innovation. Um, I think uh, quality is absolutely critical. So, continuing to kind of produce products which are the best you can kind of physically put out into the market and not ensure you're not cutting corners just to make that sort of quick buck and maybe finally sort of you know maintaining kind of a strong level of sort of authenticity you know with every touch point you know from product to brand just ensuring every move that you kind of made has a positive impact you know on the industry you know versus versus a negative let's talk about food pairings with so many flavors within the black gin 
if you were going to have nibbles with it, what would you be looking towards? Yeah, so I, I, I currently work in a restaurant. Uh, we actually play around with it quite a bit. We actually use it for our, we just some little treats at the end of the night, uh, which are little gummy bears. So they're actually black gin gummy bears. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> As, uh, kind okay. of sweets, which is pretty cool. So they become part of the meal. But I guess to answer your question, we we use it uh, in kind of a, a champagne-style drink to start with, which comes alongside our snacks. So it works really well alongside rich elements, so truffle and uh, cream and that kind of thing, mushrooms, anything kind of big and green and gamey. Uh, but it's still not too full-on to to help cut through something a little bit brighter and fresher. So uh, salmon, sashimi, and uh, that kind of thing works works super well. Uh, anything kind of cured is really good too okay. Um, because yeah. it's got that brightness and that tropical sweetness. Um, it's got a really nice kind of breaking down quality. Uh, so it's really cool. Super versatile on the whole. We've served it just, just as a as a shot or a taster before alongside even, um, funnily enough, like a coconut-style dessert, uh, and it works really well as well. Now that you're catching up with demand within New Zealand, what are your plans for expanding the black gin globally? Yeah, yeah, good, good question. Um, so yeah, mo- most importantly, um, products are just starting to sort of hit Australia now. Um, in terms of other markets outside of Australia, we're sort of about a month away from the UK launching over there. So we've got our first uh, order on the water over there. The US is not far away, and then a handful of sort of key markets within within the Europe as well. So yeah, starting to dabble it out into the into the big old world. So looking forward to seeing how it goes out there. And has the reaction from buyers overseas been as phenomenal as it has been locally for you? Yeah, absolutely. So Australia was the first export market, I guess. Um, we sent some product in December um, and it sold out within three weeks. And we've just sent another shipment over to Aussie, which is arriving probably as we're talking. So yeah, first signs, Australia's been amazing. Other export markets that received it first before that was um, throughout Europe. Um, Denmark, again, they've gone through their first allocation. The UK is going to be a pretty exciting one. So we've got quite a lot mm. of stock going over there, which is about to land now. And so it'll be interesting how that goes. But, you know, um, overall, the feedback has been um, like it has here. It's just one of those products, the minute that we sort of had it, we, you know, you put it in front of a, a consumer, put it in front of a trade or distributor, you get that same reaction, which I think is kind of a bit of a, hopefully going to be a global reaction, yeah. Are you ready for the possible demand? Yeah, we, we are now. So we've got we've definitely got the um, foundations right in terms of all the raw ingredients, all, all our bottles. We've had to put quite a bit of investment around producing the product in, in larger quantities. Um, there's a certain steeping process, which is sort of a minimum of sort of 10, 10 days, which you can't speed up. But we're, we're definitely kind of um, increasing this, the, the opportunity of scale and whatnot. All right. Well, look, thank you for speaking to us. So thank you, Mark, and thank you, Mikey. If people want more information on Scape Grace, they can go to your website, scapegracedistillery.com. Thank you both. Thank you very thank much. You. Cheers, Steph. And we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Cocktails Distilled. Be sure to visit cocktailcollective.com.au to access the show notes. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, cheers.